Welcome to Puritans Read, where we read aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Today, episode 70 of The Christian's Daily Walk by Henry Scudder. Number four, doubts of sanctification from the want of affectionate sorrow for sin and the defects of repentance. Others yet complain and say they fear they have not repented. They feel they cannot repent for they cannot grieve as they ought. They can pour out floods of tears more than enough for crosses, but many times they cannot shed one tear for sin. They do nothing as they ought to do. They live in their sins still. How then can they be said to have repented and to be sanctified? If by doing as you ought, you mean perfectly fulfilling every point and circumstance of the law, Never any mere man did thus. If you could do as you ought, what need have you of Christ Jesus as a Savior and an advocate? But if by doing as you ought, you mean a doing according as God now, qualifying the rigor of the law by the graciousness of the gospel, does require of you, and in Christ will accept of you, namely, to will and endeavor, in truth, to do the whole will of God. Then if you will desire and endeavor to mourn for sin, to repent, and obey as you should, you may truly be said to do as you ought, Isaiah one nineteen, And in this case, look by faith to the perfect obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ, your surety and redeemer, Romans 8, 4. And as for weeping at crosses, sooner or more than for sins, this does not always argue more grief for one than for the other. For weeping is an effect of the body, following much the temper thereof. Also, sense apprehends a natural object, or matter of bodily grief in such a manner that the body is wrought upon more sensibly than when a spiritual object of grief is only apprehended by faith. Wherefore, bodily tears flow easily from sense of crosses and more hardly from thoughts of sin, for spiritual objects do not ordinarily work passions in the body so soon nor so much as bodily and sensible objects do. Grief for a cross is more outward and passionate, thence tears. But spiritual grief is more inward and deep, in which case tears lie so far off, and the organs of tears are so much contracted and shut up, that they cannot be fetched or wrung out, but with much labor. When you are bidden in scripture to mourn and weep for your sins, nothing else is meant 
but to grieve much and to grieve heartily as they do who weep much at outward calamities. Besides, it is not unknown that even in natural grief, dry grief is many times greater than that which is moistened and overflows with tears. And some soft, effeminate spirits can weep at anything, when some harder spirits can weep at nothing. As the greatest spiritual joy is not expressed in laughter, so neither is the greatest spiritual grief expressed in tears. God regards the inward sighing of a contrite heart more than the outward tears of the eyes. Psalm fifty-one seventeen. An hypocritical Saul, being overcome with kindness, 1 Samuel twenty-four seventeen eighteen, and a false-hearted Ahab, being upon the rack of fear, 1 Kings twenty-one twenty-seven twenty-nine, may in their qualms and passions weep, and externally humble themselves, and that, in part, for sin, when a dear child of God may not be able to command one tear. The time when God's children have most plenty of tears is when the extremity and anguish of grief is well over, namely, when their hearts begin to melt through hope of mercy. Zechariah 12.10 And as for leaving sin altogether, who ever did it in this life? Who ever shall? Since there is no man that lives and sins not. Second Chronicles 6.36 But mistake not, you may through God's grace have left sin when yet sin has not left you. For whosoever hates sin and resolves against it, and in the law of his mind would not commit it, but is drawn to it by Satan and by the law of his members, and after it is done, does not allow it, but disclaims it with grief. This man has left sin. Romans 7.23. And if this be your case, it may be said of you, as the apostle said of himself. It is not you that do evil, but it is sin that dwells in you. Romans 7.20 Number five. Doubts of sanctification on account of dullness in spiritual duties. Many yet complain. They cannot pray, read, hear, meditate, nor get any good by the best companies or best conferences which they can meet with. They are so dull, so forgetful, so full of distraction, and so unfruitful when they go about or have been about anything that is good, that they fear they have no grace at all in them. Yea, it makes them sometimes to forbear these duties, and for the most part to Go about them without heart. It is not strange that it should be so with you. So long as there is a Satan to hinder you, and so long as you carry about the old man and body of sin in you, moreover, do you not many times go about these 
holy duties remissly, negligently, only customarily, without preparation thereunto, not looking to your feet and putting off your shoes before you approach unto God's holy things and holy presence? Do you not many times set upon those holy duties in the power of your own might and not in the power of God's might? Or have you not been proud or too well conceited of yourselves when you have felt that you have performed good duties with some life or are you sure that you should not be spiritually proud if you had your desire in doing all these? Further, do you not miscall things, calling that no prayer, no hearing, etc., or no fruit, because you do them not so well, nor bring forth so much as in your spiritually covetous desires you long to do and have. If it be thus with you, then first mend all these faults, confess them to God, and ask mercy. Next, be thankful for your desires to pray, read, hear, etc., and for your longing to do all these as you should. Prosecute those desires, but always in the sense of your own insufficiency and in the power of God's might, then all the forementioned duties will be performed with less difficulty and more fruit and comfort. Yet, because in all these duties you travel heavenward up the hill and your passage is against wind and tide and with a strong opposition of enemies in the way, you must never look to perform them without sense of much difficulty and little progress in comparison of what you aim at in your desires. It concerns you, therefore, to ply your oars and to apply yourselves by all means to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I mean with fear to offend in any of the aforementioned duties, not in fear that you have no grace, because you cannot perform them as well as you should and would. Philippians 2.12 For since you feel and bewail your dullness, deadness, and unprofitableness in holy services, it argues that you have life, because no man feels corruption and dislikes it by corruption, but by grace. I am sure that such as have no true grace can and do daily fail in all these duties, but either they find not their failings, or if they do, yet they complain not of them with grief and dislike. If you heartily grieve because you do no better, your desires to do as you should do are a true Sign of grace in you. Nehemiah 1.11 For this duty is always well done in God's account, where there is truth of endeavor to do well, and true grief that it is done no better. And whereas you say that 
By reason of want of spiritual life in holy duties, you have been made to neglect them altogether. I pray, what have you got thereby but much grief and uneasiness? But tell me, how is it with you? Are you pleased with yourself in your neglect? Or is it so that you can have no peace in your heart until you set yourselves diligently to do those duties again as well as you can? If so, it is a sign that you are not quite destitute of saving grace. This concludes episode 70 of Henry Scudder's the Christian's Daily Walk. <laughs>